Hello and welcome to Voices, the podcast from Bridge India that explores topics with a global Indian lens. We talk to changemakers and engage with diaspora around the world to discuss their relationship with India. I'm your host, Ali Asfar Abadi, and today we're talking about digital commerce. To unpack this topic further, we're joined by Bankim Chandra, CEO of DotSquares, a global business that builds websites, apps, and digital platforms. We also invited Mukesh Ambani, but he declined, saying that he had another Mumbai slum to destroy. Bankim, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Ali, for inviting me here today. I'm really looking forward to talking to you. Great, great to have you on board. Uh, lots to talk about. I know DotSquares is a pretty successful business and it's been a pioneer of what is known as a no-short delivery model. Could you help our listeners kind of understand what that is and unpack that for us, please? Sure, I'll try my best. Ali. I'm not sure if a business owner should ever say their business is successful or not because we're never satisfied. Yeah. We, we always want to take the take our business uh, to the next level every almost every week right and today being a monday i'm trying my best you know juggling various things around uh, so yes even though it has been 20 plus years dotsquare started in 2002 and you know before opening dotsquares i was a programmer myself a business analyst project management i did all kinds of roles within different organizations like american express uh, Abbey National, Royal Bank of Scotland. And then I've seen outsourcing, offshoring, nearshoring, working within the teams, all from all sides. So DotsQuest was open, uh, keeping all those things in mind. But at the same time, the most core value is how to give the best solution to a customer at the best possible price. And that's where this topic of no-share or delivery model, it has been within Dot Squares ethos from day one. And of course, pandemic has accelerated it with lots of people working from home at that time. And now that model being now called hybrid model within various organizations, where in London, for example, some people are working uh, two to three days in the office, two to three days uh, at home. So various things uh, are, are happening. But like, for example, TCS, they have got a, implemented a strategy called 2525, which means by 2025, they only want 25% of their staff to be office-based. Dot squares, uh, it started originally from a place called Brighton, uh, we started talking to the clients, looking for their websites, their systems, their CRM systems. Of course, we were very transparent that we have got teams all over the world. Currently, we have got offices in London, Brighton, US, development centers in India, uh, sales office in Dubai, France, and Australia, Melbourne. So we are almost like a 24-7 organization. And we have got people for different skills, uh, different responsibilities in different parts of the world. And we utilize that sort of no-shore delivery model to give the right uh, project deeds, which the client has got, and deliver that project to them. So 
in the current terms, I would say pandemic seems to have made no shore or hybrid model more popular, but dot squares have always believed in it since 2002. Right. And do you find that this model allows you to provide 24-7 service to the customer? So because you have a global model, even if your client is located in the US, for example, uh, you have an Australia office that can service them off hours if necessary. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as you know, US has got four time zones in itself. And, you know, uh, from east to west, it varies a lot. So as we have got our office in East Coast, then later on in the day over there, then our Australian office uh, supports them. And then by the time that is happening, India starts waking up. So India can support with the current needs or whatever uh, the happening on the project. So that's what was kept uh, various locations which we have within the Doskos offices. As you mentioned, the pandemic has kind of lent itself to this type of no-show delivery. Have you found there to be any limitations or frustrations that um, accompany this business model? I, I still believe face-to-face uh, -face interaction is very much important with senior leadership, right? When you're making strategic decisions. So for those kind of things uh, during pandemic, uh, especially those kind of strategic decisions had to be made and we used things like zoom uh etc to make it work so uh, uh because we were legally not allowed to meet so that definitely hampered lots of companies and now that's why this new way of hybrid is coming very popular and hopefully companies are thinking of this no shore model as well where uh, people can work from anywhere any place any part of the world and be as effective uh, as they were before, or if not more. Right. Um, and how have you used this no-show delivery as a tool to attract and retain talent? Is it a key selling proposition of DotSquare as, as an employer? As we know, as we are different parts of our personal life, how everyone is initially single, they get together, they've got families, etc. So people's priorities change a lot in their lives. And uh, I personally believe uh, with remote working and with no shore, uh, it gives the flexibility to the person depending on what phase of the lives they are in. So, of course, we try to be as flexible as possible uh, with our staff members. And uh, it does become uh, as a perk uh, for an individual. But at the same time, we do tell them uh, occasional face-to-face -face is definitely important uh, as we make decisions and depending on the role of the person as well. So there are lots of factors need to be taken care into and we try our best uh, to have a win-win situation for us and the staff member. Yeah. And within that, have you found there to be kind of an optimal balance between uh, remote work and in-person work? Uh, have you found that to be a couple of days a week or... Um, have you found that to be one week in person, five days, and then the rest of the month is 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 remote? Typically, when people talk about um, this hybrid model, the big Silicon Valley firms in California, they're saying Google, for example, Apple, they're saying two to three days per week, every week. I'm not convinced, anecdotally, based on what I've seen, um, that that necessarily is the best. I find that you can be remote for a few weeks, but as you mentioned, that in-person communication is vital. 
My argument is it's not vital every single week. I think it depends on the industry and your role, right? If suppose you're working on a very big project and you know you need you can do the work without meeting someone face to face, then definitely what you're saying, yes, few weeks working remotely and then few days meeting face to face, removing the gaps if there are any within the projects or whatever your task uh, requires and then uh, working again uh, remotely. So it very much depends on the industry and an individual's role, what they are doing. Right. And have you found that with this model, because, you know, we touched upon this a bit earlier, because it's so global, there is a risk of your personal life and professional life kind of blurring and blending a bit much. Because if you work from home, in theory, let's say you want to clock off at 6 p.m., but you've got an 8 p.m. call with somebody on the other side of the world, then you take that call and it becomes harder to, to establish boundaries between these two aspects of our lives. Definitely. Self-discipline, I personally feel, is the key with that. And what we did uh, during pandemic, we opened a, a lot of uh, training sessions and we call them joy of happiness. And having the right uh, mental health was very much important. So yes, you need to have the right balance. And of course, if you know you've got an eight o'clock uh, call, you have to have that space in your personal diary. You know, if you have any chores around your kids or whatever you're doing in the evening, going to the gym, whatever, uh, unfortunately, you'll have to keep that space. But uh, very much so planning much more in advance is important. And at the same time, having the right breaks, because, uh, for example, in our industry, uh, sitting in the in the desk for a long time is not really that good for the posture. So within our offices, we have implemented uh, stand sit uh, furniture a long time back so which helps person in stretching their body opening the right pores you know have that air flowing and you know we of course as part of those training sessions have provided those exercises to our staff members and running those joy of happiness uh, sessions which my uh, dad actually from india he was running them so he's a yoga instructor himself and he has comes from a medical background. So those kind of sessions have been very much appreciated by the staff members and we have continued them since then. Right. Okay. So there's a lot of thought about the holistic uh, employee welfare and not just kind of employee productivity. That's encouraging to hear. Um, now, as we think about working through this kind of no-show delivery model, what would you say are, are the key pieces of infrastructure that the success of this model hinges upon? I imagine there'll be kind of several technical tools that you need to make this work, otherwise it collapses pretty quickly. Definitely. So within Dot Squares, we have had various tools before, you know, in the early days we were using spreadsheets, but then yes, you have to have your own CRM system, I feel. You need to have your own employee management system. Uh, you need to have the right tools like MS Teams, Zoom, whatever the outlooks for right collaboration, for documentation from filing point of view. And Dot Squares, one of the Dot Squares specialization is custom development. So we we design and develop a lot of these kind of tools uh, for various clients. We do a lot of LMS, learning management systems as well. So 
what happens with these kind of systems everything is in one database so whoever is for example working on a project or an inquiry they update with the appropriate notes so that it's in the same data set in that way everyone is updated the audit trail is maintained and the systems keep everyone up to date just so they're on all on the same cloud right and then how do you leverage these tools or do you when it comes to kind of imparting culture upon new employees through the onboarding process every enterprise has its own culture and i think it's important for new people to feel a part of that culture and buy into that um do you feel like that's something you can achieve through these tools or do you feel that that's something that really still um, depends on an in-person uh, form what, of communication one of the fields which we specialize is called gamification and especially for new employee orientation and training program as these tools are so important you have to gamify it in a way so it's very interesting for them you know you have to have the right points uh, leaderboard you know who has been the best person to pick up these kind of tools quickly you know because we we are currently recruiting uh, a lot of people in our indian offices and over there we are training programs are in big groups so we we encourage and tell them the importance of these tools uh, it will make their jobs much easier you know uh, it will make them more efficient so in the in induction program the importance of these tools is told to them at right very start right that makes sense so I want to take a step back. We've talked a lot about no-show delivery, um, and that has a geographic component. I want to explore uh, the geography element of business through a different lens. Um, your business, I think, is fairly unique in that you have a presence globally, but also Brighton is a bit of a hub for you, and Brighton isn't traditionally thought of as, as a business hub the way London is. Although, that's not an absolute statement, because, for example, American Express has a very big operation there. But could you help our listeners understand a bit more about the benefits of being do, of doing business in Brighton? Well, uh, back in uh, late nineties, I, I was I was hired by American Express as a Millennium programmer. Uh, so I was working on the programs to solve the Y two K bug, which we all know is quite controversial, whether there was a bug or not. Uh, but of course, techie people like myself would tell you the programs we had to change. So that's the reason why I came to Brighton. But coincidentally, as I'm a strong believer in fate, uh, Ali, you know, it's written, you know, your future is written. Of course, you have to do all the hard work. You have to give that shape and direction to your future. Right. So I believe for me, uh, it was written that Amex uh gave me the opportunity uh to work in brighton and when html uh was very much new when the web world started i went on a training course in sussex to learn about html and i found out that programming is programming ali you know whether there are inputs there are outputs so uh i i learned that and that's how dot squares started and I was quite lucky to hire the right people over here. My brother moved from India at that time as well. And as we started getting more projects, we needed more, more techie resources, more techie uh, programmers. Then we opened 
an office and our parents kindly gave us the garage in our home in our home in India and uh, we were able to put 10 desks over there and as the as the number of people increased we had to do extensions in our houses then we had to get the house at the back of the house to build a bigger extension <laughs> so that's how our story was and then we had to build different stories within our house currently we are just over a thousand people uh, Alif, we are just building a brand new office in Jaipur, which started during pandemic time. So there were some uh, slowness at that time, which is a minus two plus seven floors, which will have a capacity of 1500 people. So uh, locations, yes, do matter. Uh, and especially now with this no shore delivery model, you can, if you think you can find the best resources in Delhi or Gurgaon or London or New York, you can still hire that person. They can be still in their hometowns if they want to live there. And what we have done recently, we have just uh, got an office in Gurgaon, so which is a collab of Jaipur Gurgaon office. So some resources, some kind of skills which are required for some projects, which we can't find in Jaipur, which we can easily get it in Gurgaon. So that's how, based on the location, we have done that. And they don't have to travel to Jaipur. We have got another office there. Or depending on the needs, we hire people in different parts of the world. Right. Um, and speaking of doing business in India, you may have seen the recent headline which said that India has overtaken the UK to be the world's sixth largest economy. Um, in the UK, we're about to have a new, have a new government. Um, do you have any messages for that government um, as they seek to do business with India? and through that process, boost the Indian economy and the British economy? I personally feel the uh, cocktail of uh, COVID and Brexit together has helped the economy for India because UK and Europe got impacted by both of them a lot. Whereas in India, the guidelines during COVID times uh, were much more lenient in terms of the UK and Europe. My message to the government has been please be leaning towards borders more because more and more companies need digital platforms right everyone needs digital platforms from a shopkeeper to a big corporate and the talent is getting less and less all over the world so as long as we have got the right rules and regulations with the home office. I'm a sponsor, a license holder myself, Ali. So we do bring uh, team members from our Indian office to the UK and it helps various clients of ours, various business of ours to grow. So it, it doesn't matter whether a person is coming from anywhere in the world, but the economy of the originating country is definitely helping because the business is growing. More other different kind of employment opportunities are opening right? There's more, much more money to flow. So at the end of the day, everyone gets benefited. So I feel instead of having a tunnel view, it should be much more broader view, you know, when it comes to businesses and giving them leniencies around border control. Right. And as somebody with uh, business interests in India, in Britain, and in many of the countries as we've discussed, how do you feel about prospects of the UK, of India, and other geographies in which you operate? See, UK-India relationships and, uh, you know, working together has been 
wonderful for many, many years, right? And with the leadership of uh, Modici in India uh, and with the Conservative Party over here uh, and again with the right Labour Party uh, personally in London, you know, UK has always encouraged India and UK working. I go to so many different events, Sally, uh, in London where uh, we discuss what things can be improved, how things are being done. Of course, as business owners, we're always looking for challenges and want to, uh, you know, break those challenges and take both the countries to the next level. But we also need to appreciate what we have got so far is amazingly well. You know, uh, the relationship, how the digital, if I have to talk about my own industry, how digitalization in the UK has grown as compared to different parts of the world because I have got offices all over the other parts of the world as well. And I know how, which countries are far ahead, which are behind, you know, what kind of apps they use, what kind of technologies they use. And what we hear in the UK is all very good news. You know, London, they say the number of startups is more than anywhere in the world. You know, uh, the numbers when it comes to the crowdfunding, uh, Series A, Series B funding, etc., uh, they're always just growing up. And since the uh, pandemic uh, has finished, those numbers are growing a lot. And we are supported a lot uh, by the mayor of London in terms of different events. Uh, with the business mayor of London, I know Rajesh Agarwal uh, very well. And it's, it has always helped businesses a lot to grow, take the right steps, you know, to help their staff members, plus at the same time help the clients. Clients mean businesses. So they get the power to increase their business, which of course in turn uh, increases more jobs for everyone. And speaking of the relationship between uh, the UK and India, do you think we'll ever get to a point where we can ask them to give the Kohinoor back? <laughs> I think that should be done on 15th of August next year. <laughs> yeah, well, we've got a new prime minister, so maybe she can uh, get the job done. We'll yes. see. Yes, <laughs> maybe she can get the... Next time when I see, when I'm in one of those meetings, I'll ask that question, Ali. <laughs> yeah. And, and maybe if uh, we ever get a, a Desi Prime Minister, you know, job one is uh, return <laughs> to and loot. Job two, trade deal. Yeah, I think he's already got that in his, uh, in his priority list. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank, thank you so much for joining. This has been a fascinating conversation. Thanks for sharing your insight uh, with us and hope to do this again soon sometime. Thank you very much, Ali, for your time. I hope you have a very good week. Cheers. Thanks, mate.